0: Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. Now, one of the things that's very, very important for a lot of businesses are trademarks. In fact, there are probably about half a million trademarks that get filed every year. Now, the challenge for business owners is that you don't know what you don't know about trademarks, and no one ever wants to put their business at risk. So we decided to bring on an amazing lawyer that does a lot of great help for businesses, and really helping them understand what they don't know so that their business can be protected. So stay tuned for the show. So without further ado, let me bring on my guest, Joey D. Welcome to the show, Joey. Hey, everybody. Man,
1: Terrell, you are running a cool ship. That intro video was awesome.
0: <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate that. I I, I do appreciate you know, the, the, the opportunity, like I said, to create a platform that mm-hmm. has, you know, that has some 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 quality to it, to where we bring on great guests to be able to share their story and the insights. I mean. Mm-hmm. And now before I guess we jump into the details of like trademarks, tell us a little bit about, you know, Joey V and Joey V's background.
1: Sure. So uh, the, the one of the shortest ways I can say this is I am an owner of a law firm and yet I am a god awful courtroom attorney. <laughs> I say that because, and for all of you lawyers who are listening, you can probably relate to this. Uh, when you go to law school, especially if you don't know what you want to do in terms of a certain specialty law schools tend to just kind of guide you in the direction of litigation that's where a lot of the big jobs are as it's harder to find a job more and more people are trying to compete where where there's availability and I remember the first couple of years of being a lawyer realizing how much I really don't like conflict, especially conflict where people are paying a lot of money. And usually like the right fair answer is somewhere in between these two opposing really upset parties. And so after spending a good two to three years trying to overcome that, you know, weakness that I saw in myself, I realized that there was, there was a real superpower that I wasn't leaning into when I was trying to be a better courtroom attorney, which is what you know you and I both do, Terrell, of doing the proactive work of keeping people out of a courtroom or some other bad place to begin with. And I, I started out my law firm, funny enough, with a, a community of Etsy store owners. So grandmas on Etsy were my first set of clients that I was working with and I mean, they were the best first clients I could ask for because they they really helped me see that this, this quality that I have of being what they would call like the cute nephew who comes over to fix the printer, they're like, no, that is what I want in an attorney. I don't want some shark. So a big part of my journey was figuring out, okay, how can I practice law in a way that really aligns with my strengths and my personality traits Mm -hmm. and then after a a year or so of having my law firm wanting to help people to the extent that they would come to me asking for help um slowly but surely after that first year i realized okay what is it that we can really do to help people because when i started it was almost like i had like a like a drive through McDonald's version of a law firm where people would pull up, say, Hey, like, I want this type of contract. I want this type of LLC. And I would just give them the legal stuff that they asked for. And it wasn't until about a year or the two year mark that we realized that out of all of the things that were on that menu, people weren't really asking for trademarks until they become emer- became emergencies. Mm-hmm. So at that point, we, we pivoted, and now Indie Law is a trademarks-only
0: law firm. Gotcha, gotcha. No, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, because I, I do think that it is very interesting and refreshing to hear the stories of so many entrepreneurs and so many business owners that are like, hey, I started this way because, hey, this is how I knew how to make money in what mm-hmm. I was doing. But then eventually I gravitated more to like, how do I want to show up in this space? Like, yeah. you know, I I still want to be a law, you know, I still want to work in the legal field, but this is how I want to approach it. So how was that, I mean, that that transition? Because like you said, I mean, in in law school, you were probably geared and pushed more towards litigation. Was there a lot of like, you know, kind of a, an emotional turn for you of, of having that internal conflict of like, that's not who I am? Yeah. I mean, how was that journey?
1: I mean... It's, what what comes to mind is, you know, when I told my dad that I wanted to build a law firm that looks like the way it does, it was almost as if my dad's son was telling him that he went to law school but wasn't going to be a real lawyer, <laughs> you know? And so I, I was lucky enough to have certain people around me that were mentors, that were already... You know, I, I'm not the first person to have a trademark-only law firm or to work with the types of creative online business clients that I work with. So I saw that it could be done. But there were people in my immediate family and friend network and my wife who were understandably a little worried, like, Joey, is this really a thing that you can do and make a good living off of?
0: No, you know, I think that it that is very interesting. I mean, because... It's one of those things, like you said, is is when, when you I guess you say step out of the normal to focus mm-hmm. on like, hey, this is who I am, this is who I'm here to serve. You know, it can be scary to a lot of people because they're like, hey, I haven't I haven't seen that work before. Yeah. Um so it's just kind of like as you kind of travel that journey, I mean, being a person who like, hey, I'm gonna go a non-traditional route um in an industry that kind of already has like a game plan that they kind of hand you um mm-hmm. so as you started to unfold that like what was that journey like for you of being able to connect with you know your target audience because as we talked beforehand when it comes down to trademarks not everyone realizes that they need help when it comes to trademarks mm-hmm. um they're like oh I can just do it cheaper I can do it myself so How did you start to connect with, you know, your target audience for your services?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I I will say that uh, if you're in a practice area um, or if you have any type of a business where uh, people aren't exactly knocking down doors to get help, like basically if you're not helping people get a six pack or make more money or whatever it is, marketing is going to be tough. And the the more that you're trying to help people solve a problem proactively, the harder it is to figure out effective marketing for yourself. And so over the past few years, my team and I have gotten really good at marketing, not because we're just naturally amazing at it, but because we had to experiment a lot and double down on what was working. And in, in the trademark space specifically, like you said, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. So what works really well for us now is a combination of I would say two things. One is uh, education at the ground level. One of the biggest mistakes that I see attorneys making, especially when it comes to proactive areas of the law, is we keep our legal hats on and we start talking on Instagram or TikTok or wherever at a like 201 law level (laughs) And people have no idea what we're talking about. Like I could talk about intent to use 1B applications. You're not going to know what I'm talking about. But if I say things like last year, over half a million trademark applications were filed and most of them actually got denied. Now people are like, wait, what? Because I thought a trademark was just like getting an LLC or a domain name. You just file for something and you get it. And so it's what are those especially when it's like trademarks where people kind of understand what it is. Like they know that there's the symbols that you can put after the word or the logo. They know you can file for it, but there's a lot of misunderstandings. So what can we do to speak to those misunderstandings at the level that they're currently at and couple that with the social proof of testimonials, reviews, referral partners that we're working with so that, We're, uh, we're doing a combination of visibility to a colder audience Mm -hmm. and helping build that trust with a growing group of super fans who are are doing that hard work of marketing for us by saying, okay, you don't need to know about trademarks, but I trust Joey. So, so should you.
0: Wow. I, I love it. I mean, because it's one of those things that as you and I were talking about, I mean, beforehand is, you know, I feel like our, our approach is, is 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 very there's a lot of similarities in the fact of mm-hmm. hey, we don't have the luxury of just going after the mask because when you're working, you're helping someone with something proactive, you know, the shock value goes down because it's like I'm proactively helping you. So this isn't a problem for you yet, but it could be a problem if you don't do X, Y, Z. And for the average person, they're kind of like, well. I'll deal with that when that happens. It's just like, okay, all and right. I, and I get
1: away. it. I totally get it. Um, and, and as a lawyer, again, what I'm always trying to do is think about, okay, I, at the end of the day, am helping my clients with risk management. Mm-hmm. Putting my advisor hat on, what are the risks that we need to manage for What are the risks that we need to manage that they don't currently have uh, in place? So I'm a huge fan of thinking about business integrity or brand integrity and where, where is your business in and out of integrity? Meaning like, not like do you ethically have integrity, but like, does like StreamYard right now have integrity? Like, is it working how it's supposed to? And If you do not have trademarks locked in for your brand, whether it's the name of your business, the name of an online course, slogan, logo, even the name of a series of a show like this, if you don't have the trademark secured at a national level, you do not own these brand elements. You're out of integrity. And you could accidentally be infringing on somebody else, which is becoming more and more possible now that so many people are filing trademarks.
0: Wow. Wow. I mean, it's one of those interesting things. Like I said, a lot of businesses don't necessarily think about. So I'm curious as to, you know, when you're talking with, let's say you have a client that is now they've they've reached out to you and they're like, Hey, I don't know what I don't know in this area, but hey, here are some, uh, but I think, I feel like I need to have a conversation with you. You know, how do you usually start to help them, you know, navigate that journey of, hey, Here are the areas where we possibly will need to step in to help or help you understand and make sure you're protected.
1: Yeah. Well, my team does do free calls with anybody who's interested to see if they'd be a good fit to do a little bit of an audit during that call of, you know, if they have a business name and a slogan and a podcast and a course, which one we should prioritize first, either because... It's like their main kind of brand identifier. Their audience knows them from that version of their brand element Um, or because they just really love that. They don't want to lose it. And a typical rebrand for a small business owner costs usually more than like $20,000, $30,000. So we would like to think of trademarks as brand insurance. And then we understand that not everybody can work with us directly. So we, the, the bigger we get and we have filed for almost 500 trademarks at this point where we're getting more and more people who just aren't able or willing to make the budget to work with us yet, which we get uh, to your point earlier, there's a lot of risks out there that you're wanting to assess um, and, and legal and trademark specifically might not be the number one thing that you wanna plan for. Um, but uh, for anybody who the timing isn't right budget wise, We also have a standalone uh, DIY course on trademarks that has hundreds of students who have already gone through it. Uh, You can get through it in just under three hours, and it's way better than using a solution like LegalZoom or some other cheap service, because all of those really cheap trademark services, all that they do is they ask you a bunch of basic questions in a form that are the same questions that the trademark office asks on their form. and then, But it's just, it's prettier to fill out and then they copy and paste it and they send it on over. And usually those have some type of an error and you have to pay more to fix things. And so I like to tell again, clients who aren't ready or are able to work with us because of budget issues that trademarks are difficult, but they're not rocket science. So if you can't afford, you know, a couple thousand dollars to work with an attorney directly, um, this is a $500 course that you can learn trademarks and then file as many trademarks as you want. Uh, also, there's a Facebook group that goes along with the course where you can ask my team and other uh, course students any questions.
0: Okay, nice. I love it. I love it. Now, question, you know, we talked about how every year there's about, what, over five you know, half a million, you know, applications that are submitted, and most of them get rejected. So how much, just doing some quick math, how much does a trademark cost to file?
1: Good question. So when you file for a trademark, um, even if you do it yourself and you don't use an attorney or a filing service, um, you're still going to have to pay anywhere from 250 to 350 or more. dollars. Um, okay. And that's the filing fee to the government. You don't get that money back if your trademark doesn't get accepted. Wow. Um, Most of the trademarks that get denied are done without an attorney's help. And again, it's because they think, oh, a trademark, it's just filing for an LLC or, you know, a website. I just fill out some paperwork and I get it. Mm -hmm. I like to think of, you know, we we talk about getting trademarked but the truth is that when you file for a trademark it's not like you're filing for an llc like you just put in the information and they give you your llc when you apply for a trademark it's more of an audition
0: gotcha.
1: you're saying hey here's what i what i want my brand to be known for here's what i want exclusive rights to use i've been using it for this long you know with respect to to this type of industry And the trademark office has to say yes. Mm -hmm. So you're not entitled to a trademark certificate at the end. That's the other thing is we're so used to, especially, I mean, right now we're doing this live stream. We're used to things happening fast, if not instantly. Mm -hmm. Trademarks will take probably a year or more to get totally finalized. Mm -hmm. And that's something that surprises a lot of business owners because we're used to just filing for this type of you know, formal paperwork and getting it right away. So not only will you might not get it accepted, but you might have to wait 12 months just to get a rejection.
0: Wow. Wow. That is quite a lot. I mean, because even if, as I was doing some quick math of, you know, you got, what, half a million filings, and if they are about 250 each, That's somewhere close to like, it's like $125 million a year and just, you know, yeah, $125 million is is around what that number ends up being. And if a percentage of that is being denied, I mean, that's money that people will never get back because like I said, they just didn't have the right help. Like, wow, that is, that is. And that's,
1: that's so true. And in my, in my experience, that's not really where the, the pain comes. The pain comes from when you're on your family vacation and you've set aside a week or two weeks to be totally unplugged from the business. And this happened to a client of mine and you just happen to pull out your phone just to do a little check, hop on your, your mail app. And you see that someone sent you a cease and assist letter, giving you 30 days to change the name of everything in your business. Wow. And now, instead of having your family time that you've been planning for and looking forward to, you're freaking out for seven nights in a row trying to change everything.
0: Wow. You know, And, and that doesn't sound like a far-fetched story because I had a friend that reached out to me that was um, starting a podcast. He didn't He didn't have a whole lot of energy into it. Um, there was a website that he created but the name of the podcast. He got a cease and desist letter. Um, and the letter was pretty aggressive, some of yeah. the language in the letter. I mean, the thing was he didn't put a he hadn't put in a lot of energy into it, but it's just like, man, like these are not just like you know, stories you hear about in movies. Like there are everyday people that are dealing with this type yeah. of challenge. And
1: and I, I'll say this too. There's and I don't mean this in any type of a judgment or shame kind of way, there's a growing number of like side hustle entrepreneurs. That being said, if you are building your business with the goal of having a thriving, successful business that is growing every year, that you can consistently pay yourself from, build a team around, it's going to be a matter of when, not if a legal problem happens to you. And so the real question is, okay, if I look at all of the legal things that could go wrong in my business, as it grows, what are the most likely legal things that are going to happen? And I like to think of it as like when you're in your car, it's like trademarks. In my opinion, and my experience, it's like the airbag or the seatbelt, there might be some other minor safety things that are going on in the car. Things like certain copyright issues or contracts. I don't want to say anything's not important in the legal world, but again, we work with a lot of coaches, course creators, service professionals, and more often than not, their their first legal issue is trademark related and their most expensive legal issue to resolve is trademark related. And this is another, I'm just throwing out examples of how this could play out. Imagine that you have been working on a course for a while or some type of a program, and now it's starting to be successful. So you're running ads to it Mm -hmm. and you up the ad spend. And then you get a DM from someone who owns a trademark for something similar, who wouldn't have even known about you. Except the fact that now you're running Facebook ads, you're getting a bigger audience, a friend of that owner is like, hey, is this you? Because if not, you know, they're pretty close to your trademark. So the bigger you get, if you are stepping on someone's toes in the trademark world, the more likely it is that they're going to notice. And the, the thing that I don't want anybody to do is keep their business small so that no one notices.
0: Wow. Wow. I, I think that is a an amazing point. And, you know, two things before we wrap up. The first one is, you know, there are a lot of business owners out there that are listening. Some are early stage, some are grading some very great, you know, businesses, great, great products. So how can they get in touch with you if they're interested in contacting your firm and learning more about how do they protect themselves from a trade marks perspective?
1: Yeah. Well, uh, go to IndieLaw.com. That's I N D I E. Uh, law. Great, it's on the it's on the screen here. And then I would go ahead and watch that video. Click on the monitor uh, and have that be your first thing. And then as as you watch that video, you'll get a better sense of how we can help, uh, if we might be a good fit for you. Uh, if you know that you need a different type of legal thing resolved in your business, even though we do trademarks, I would encourage you to still reach out to us. Just let us know what your legal problem is we have a pretty deep network of lawyers in different states with different areas of expertise and i'll do whatever i can to connect you with the right lawyer that you need
0: i love it i love it and then one final thing is you know as we think about you know your your history think about where you've been where you are now what's one final piece of advice that you would share with other business owners
1: Mm. Is it okay if I if this is something for lawyers specifically? Because I know you have some lawyers. That's perfectly that fine. Um, I would say this: uh, a practice area is not a niche. We are hearing more and more the importance to niche down, especially if you're in a you want to work with a more established affluent client base if you wanna be able to raise your rates and work with people who can afford those larger rates. And so more people are niching down. And a lot of people are doing that by saying, okay, well, I'll stop doing criminal law and estate planning and all this other stuff. And I'll just do PI or whatever it is. That's all great, but there's still not a niche there. And so I like to think about niching down in terms of, okay, what is the community that you're gonna serve? So for example, we work with online coaches, um, course creators, and other types of online businesses. And the part of what helped us come to that niche was if we were to create a Facebook group, which we're doing, uh, who would be the type of community that would be attracted to that Facebook group and would get to know other people that are like them inside that Facebook group? That's a really, really powerful question for you to ask, even if you don't want to, or plan to start a Facebook group, because that makes you think of, okay, what is, what are these like shared psychographics that that we can build a brand around? Because yes, you niche down, yes, you, you narrow who you're talking to, but I can't tell you how many people have gone through our website, have gotten our emails, or who follow us on social, who are like Joey, when we read your stuff or watch your stuff, it's like you're talking to us, like directly. We do that not because it's just a practice area, but because we really figured out a niche of an audience that we were working with. And your marketing becomes way more effective. Your conversion rates improve like crazy when people feel like you're talking to them directly.
0: Nice. I love it. I love it. Well, Joy. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the show. It's been a pleasure having you. And like I said, thanks again for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Terrell. Thanks for tuning into another episode of The Law and Finance Show, where we talk about the finance and the business side of running a law firm. Now, if you know another law firm, don't be selfish. Make sure you tell them about this show and hit that subscribe button so you get updates whenever we release a new episode.